Commercial time on my weekly radio program, you'll have to contact CBS Radio in New York. No, Dollar, this is a purely personal matter that I wish to see you about, that I must see you about. Well, I'm saying, Mr. Milford, but unless there's insurance involved. Well, yes. Yes, there is. The uh, same company that's insured my life. One of the outfits I work with? By Western Life Insurance Company? Yeah, that's one of my clients. Well, then please, come out here right away. Well, I'd better check first with the company no. and get their authorization to. Oh, John. No, by all means. Well, there's a little matter of my expense account. That will be taken care of. Most adequately. Okay, whatever you say. Now, what's this all about, Mr. Milford? Mr. Dollar, if you're on the phone, I can only tell you it's a matter of presenting you. Yeah? Yes? Of presenting a murder. CBS Radio brings you Bob Bailey. In the exciting adventures of a man with the action packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yes, truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by special investigator Johnny Dollar. To Mr. Horace W. No, no, to the Tri Western Life Insurance Company. You'll see why later on. And following is the kind of expenses incurred during my investigation of the hired homicide matter. Expense account item one, seventy-seven dollars plane fare. The big mainliner took off from Bradley Field at high thirty-eight twenty-five p.m. and set me down at Stapleton Field in Denver at the ungodly hour of three thirty-five a.m. Item two, five dollars for a cab into the Brown Palace Hotel where I had a complete for the few hours I'd had aboard the plane. First purchase item three, a dollar fifty. And then I walked over to the office of the Milford Advertising Agency on California Street. Horace W. Milford with tall, gray hair and with a very dignified gun. He got to the point immediately, and yet in a kind of roundabout way. Mr. Dollar, I must emphasize that this whole thing must be completely confidential. Oh? Well, now that's the I will tell you well. Very well. You sound as though there might be something illegal about whatever it is you want me to do. I can only hope that you can prevent something illegal from happening. Something terribly wrong. You mentioned murder. I said prevent a murder. Hold, Mr. Melford. Yes. I'll be as brief as possible, Mr. Dollar. Time is of the essence. But first, you must know some background. Go right ahead, sir. Since my wife passed away some years ago, this advertising business and my daughter, Claire, have been my sole interest in life. How old is Claire? She is 27 on her life. Uh, now, listen, please. I'm a... I built this business by myself. Until two years ago, I made all the client contacts, planned the campaign, wrote the copy. I bought the space and radio time, everything. And then Tony came along. Tony? Uh, Anthony Challenger. He's my son-in-law. And he worked for you, Mr. Milford? Out of pity for a young man who seemed to be struggling to make his way in the world, I gave him a job. Oh. And then by way of repaying me, I thought, he brought the Bonar Electronics account to this office. Bonar Electronics Corporation. Yeah, I've heard of that. Pretty big outfit, I understand. It means annual billings of some $2 million here. That's a sizable advertisement. Now, the point is, well, he told me later, that his means of getting it were somewhat unorthodox. Unethical is a better word. Now, how do you mean? He told me that he had something on officers of the Bonar organization, that he'd threatened exposure and ruin the scandal if he weren't permitted to handle their advertising here. Well, now, that doesn't seem possible. But thanks thing. largely to my own efforts and ideas, we have established them as one of the most important companies in their field. 
Don't ever underestimate the value of advertising, huh? Yes, to the public, as well as to the company. Yeah. Well, I'm a I took over the account. Young Tony was content to sit around, collect his salary and a big commission and do nothing. Uh-huh. Nothing, that is, but constantly remind me that he had brought the business here. I say. But, now. Mr. Dollar, were the account suddenly to go to some other agency? It would ruin me. Oh, how so? Buying this building, setting up the organization adequately to service such an account cost me everything I had. I'm not a young man anymore. Well, there's somebody else standing for phone on a left hand. far worse than that. Mr. Dollar. Now, wait a minute, please. I'm afraid he's got far away from the subject of murder that you Mr. Dollar, far worse than his simply falling down on the job is the fact that Tony Farringer, against my will, mind you, because I knew him well enough not to trust him, courted and eloped with my daughter. Well, I'm and it wasn't because he loved her, believe me. It was only a further step in a plan to get his hands on this advertising business of mine. Yeah, sure He had the nerve, the audacity to say so himself. I can see him now, sitting right there where you are, with a smirk on his face, blandly telling me that now that he's lost her, he'd have to resort to other tactics. Oh, that he'd have to take this important account away from me by opening his own agency, and that I couldn't stop him. Wait a minute, please. You said lost her. What does he mean by that? Because of his duplicitous, what he's done to me. Because of the miserable way he treated and tortured her. Claire, my daughter, my only child. Claire took her own life. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, the shock of it almost killed me, Bella. Tony Ferenger was bringing my whole life crashing and crushing down upon my head. I hated him. With every fiber of my being, I, I was beside myself. I could see only one thing left for me to do. Help, but then, then, up then my clients at Bonar came to me two days ago, and they told me they realized what had happened and why. And they assured me there was nothing Tony could do or say that would hurt them and that they would stand by me. Well, that's straightened me out, Mr. Dollar. Ah. It made me realize that killing Tony, that there was no point, no use in it. Well, I'm glad of that, sir. But then I'm afraid I don't see why you sent for me. Because it was too late. What? Because I had already hired a man, a professional killer. To murder him? Yes. Well, then good heavens, man, Tolliver. I can't. Sure, get in touch with him. What do you mean you can't? There's no possible way for me to reach him, contact him. Until after he's murdered Tony Now, wait a minute, Mr. Milford. You mean there's no way to reach this hired killer to call him off to tell him not to murder Tony Sanchez? No. None whatever. But look here, you can't get a chance. Dollar, when the only thing I wanted in life was to see him dead for all the terrible things he did to me and to my daughter, I went about arranging it very carefully. How? By means I don't need to go into here, I finally established a contact in the, in the underworld here in Denver. Sort of a school kitchen, I suppose you'd call him, a man named Felix Drinker. Yeah. For a price, Drinker had the killer contact me at my home. You know the name of this killer? Well, he only told me that if he felt it necessary to phone me or to contact me in any way before the job was done, he would identify himself as Blackie. Oh, boy, good. And the only thing you can do is contact your fellow Drinker again. No. Tell him to call off Blackie. Have Blackie get in touch with you. No, Mr. What do you mean, no? Felix Drinker's body was found floating down the Platte River yesterday afternoon, just before I called you. Oh. But don't you see, Mr. Dollar? Unless we can somehow contact this Blackie, he'll go ahead with the murder. The murder I arranged. 
It must not happen. All right, how much do you know about Flavie? What does he look like? I don't know. But you just finished telling me that he called on you to make arrangements for the killing. He came to my home at night. He insisted on talking to me from outside a window where I couldn't see him. I couldn't see him. All right, did you give him any money? $5,000 in cash. My, my bill. No. Oh. Well, he said that if any of the money was marked in any way that he would know about it and that he wouldn't hesitate to kill me. All right. When was he to do the job? He would only say by the end of the week. And that's fine. This is Friday. And you can't give me anything to go on to find this man, Blackie? Nothing. Unless he's called. And if that happens, you don't need me. Mr. Milford. Yes? Have you... Have you cleared Tony Ferns or anything of it? Good heavens, Dollar. You don't know the man. Can't you see what would surely happen if I did? He would bleed me for everything I have. You, accessory to a plot to murder him. Don't you see what that means? That's right, And if you were to call in the police, it would be just as... Oh, yeah, Mr. Milford, you've really set your neck on a noose. Somehow you, you've got to get me out of this. You? What about Tony? Right guy or wrong, he's the one who's going to be killed. I, I mean, stop this thing. I don't want his blood on my hands, not anymore. Somehow you've got to stop this thing. Oh, yes, George. Yes, but how? You got any good ideas? Hey, a phony telegram, something like that. Yeah? Yeah, some kind of a message telling Tony to get out of town. But if it weren't to reach him soon enough, or if he would have disregarded it. Hmm. If you were to go to the police. Oh, I can assure myself. I might as well. Or contact him, an anonymous warning, maybe. There is only one place from which Tony Sherringer might expect trouble. From me. Mr. Milford. Well, oh, I, I don't know. So, so help me, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even sure you deserve help after what you've done. I, I beg you, Mr. Dollar. Hey, you, you tell me on the phone there's insurance involved in all this. Well, when he first came with me, Tony had his life insured. He named some distant relative as a beneficiary. Hey, Claire was in life? Yes. But he didn't even name Claire in it when he married her. Yeah, well, that's just trying to point out. Huh? Do you have an idea, Mr. Dollar? Something, some way... No, no, no. I was just thinking that not only your neck I've got to look out for now, but I've got to keep the insurance company from having to pay off on Tony. You, you could... Watch over him. Oh, yes, sure. Sit on his lap for 24 hours a day without his knowing it. Where is he now? I don't know. Oh, where does he live? He didn't will watch over him. Oh, let's see. Scribble down his address and phone number for him. Hey, yes, yes, of course. Uh, he lives at 429. Now, what does he look like? That's the enticing way to do it. Yes, here. Very good. 425. But his hair and complexion are somewhat different. Tony! That's right, Papa. And who are you, mister? I take it you're Tony Ferns. That's right. Oh, Tony. Oh, listen, you old fool. I just found out you spoiled my chances of starting my own agency. That you can't phone our electronics and the same with you. No, no, it's because you lied to me about the way you got us that account. Well, you finally caught on. Tony, will you listen to me? Listen to me. I'm not going to let you get away with it. Please, Tony. Or maybe you will. Maybe I can't stop you. But believe me. Believe me, you're going to pay me plenty. Tony, will you Oh, why? I haven't figured it out. But you pay me, Papa. Just remember that. Keep your shirt on, Mr. Nelson. Yeah. What? Yeah. And wish me luck. <laughs> Item three, five dollars for a taxi that followed Tony Sanders' car to a residential section in the town. And sure enough, he pulled up in front of his own home. Maybe, maybe the wild, the crazy idea that I suddenly got back there in the office of work. Driver. Yeah. End of the line. Pull around the corner and stop. All right, here. 
There's a five spot. Stick around for a while. Get a walking up to Tony's front door. I sneaked him out of the bathhouse, hidden by a hedge at the side. I hoped that none of the neighbors would see me raise a cross to report me as a prowler. I ran the buzzer at the backyard and stood aside, flat against the wall, so that whoever opened it wouldn't see me. I hoped. Yes? Yes, Hello, somebody ring this door, buzzer. Yeah. And now. This wild plan works out. Then you go. Go. After wasting some time, Jack Wilson's pouring it on Tony Frank's clothes. Madam Creed is another five for the cabbie for helping me haul my apparently drunken friend to a cheap running house over on the other side of town. A place run by a frowsy old dame who called herself Ma Lecter. driver brought him in here. Somebody you never saw before. Oh, don't worry, Ryan. I have to keep my mouth shut. And I get paid for it. The paid good, does it? Okay, I'll make it ten here. Oh, Mr. You ain't got a word in the world. Wanna bet? Item four, dollar ten for another car back to Tony Sanger's house. Again, hoping none of the neighbors would see me, I left myself in the back door with a key I'd taken out of his pocket. I figured all I could do now was sit around and wait until the killer showed up. But as I walked through the doorway into the living room... Just And don't turn around, mister. Hands up high. Blackie. That's right, Blackie. Yeah, staring again, huh? No, don't turn around. Just walk over to that bench now and sit down. Now, look, if you think I'm Tony Frank, sit down. <laughs> now, keep facing that way. I suppose I haven't got much choice. I know you're not Tony, but you know who I am. That means you know what I was hired for. That means you know too much. All right, now listen, Blackie. Wait a minute. I was afraid I was like myself, but I didn't jump him in the river soon enough. And listen. I'm listening. You think I won't get Tony? But you're wrong. I saw you taking him to that Tommy Rooming house. I saw what you did to him, too. He won't be moving out of there for a while. That means I have plenty of time. Good luck. mister. I hate to do a killing without getting paid for it. But as long as you know so much, well, I'm afraid you don't give me much choice, do you? Are you talking to your own amusement? I'm giving you a chance to say your prayers. If you still know how. Hey, Blackie, look, we can fight. Well, what difference does it make? Huh? If I should see you, I mean, if you're going to kill me. Let's just say I prefer it this way. Are you ready? (laughs) 
Are you kidding? You think you're going to get away with this? I'm absolutely sure. And I ask you... You think I'd come here looking for you without taking precautions? You've said enough. Now, do you feel this gun in the back of your head? I could tell by his voice that he stood directly behind me. I put my right heel tightly against the leg of the piano bench. And then as I felt the cold muscle of his gun against the back of my head, I suddenly dropped to the floor, kicking the bench against his right. Well, Blackie, I'm afraid your rather unique career has finally come to an end. Down, boy. Down. Ernest Blackie, for the murder of Anderson Scooby, made it easy for me to keep Mr. Milford out of the picture completely. Nor did Blackie talk. I'm cold in the underworld, I guess. As for the expense account, well, and here the food that was handed to me, you can forget it. Tony Sanger, incidentally, never did quite know what happened to him. Now, will somebody please give me a nice, clean case to work on? Yes, truly. Johnny Dollar. No, instead, let me say welcome back to Station WKME in Keene, New Hampshire. Nice to have you with us again. As for WJVT in Brattleboro, Vermont, we're glad to have you join us. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Marvin Miller, Lawrence Dobson, and Russell Horton. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking. <laughs>